well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I am so glad you joined us on the program. Coming up here in a matter of moments, going to be talking with Mr. Rob Pickus from uh, Ice Training about... Well, and not a new event, because the event actually happened a couple of months ago, but new coverage for the uh, Gunmakers match held in St. Augustine, Florida, back in June. Uh, And one of the participants in that match was a reporter for Vice News who didn't sneak in. I mean, they were on the up and up. They they, they said, hey, we'd like to come out and we'd like to cover this. I'd like to participate. Uh, And the uh, organizers of the Gunmakers match said, sure. And so uh, the event went off, by the way, without a hitch. Everybody had a great time. Uh, but the uh, Vice mini documentary, about a 30-minute long documentary on the Gunmakers match, uh, just dropped on Wednesday. And uh, Rob Pinkus, who helped organize the gun owners, uh, Gunmakers match excuse me, in uh, St. Augustine, Florida, uh, joined us just moments before I began speaking right here to uh, talk about the event, to talk about the coverage from Vice, and to talk about the future of home-built and 3D-printed firearms. Take a look and a listen. Rob Pincus, thank you so much, sir, for coming on Cam and Coney. It's good to talk with you today. Great to see you. It's been a while, man. It's been uh, it's been an interesting 18 months, and uh, I was hoping I might be seeing you soon, but I guess we won't be seeing each other in, in Houston. Not in Houston. No, I mean, I, listen, you're all over the country, so uh, you get to the Mid-Atlantic area, you let me know. I will, uh, I'll come drive. But, uh, yeah, the annual meeting's canceled. Thankfully, COVID did not impact the uh, the Gunmakers match, which was held in June back in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. And uh, for folks who could not make it down for this match, I, I never really thought I'd say this, Rob, but uh, you can check out a really good documentary from Vice News on this match. Yeah, it's it's been great that this thing dropped and it's it's got between their uh, couple of channels they're on is over a half million views already on this 30 minute mini doc and it really is fair. I mean, you know, you it, it's a news piece, right? You're going to get the sensationalism. They're going to let people know like people are scared of ghost guns and people are worried about gun making and the government wants to do this and the police say that. But at the end of the day, you know, a solid 25 minutes of that 30 minute video uh, aren't about the backdrop. It's about what was really happening at the Gunmakers match. And what was really happening was uh, a lot of people, about 100 people were there, uh, almost 50 competitors shot in the event, and they all did it with privately made guns, whether they were 3D printed guns, which the documentary really focuses on, or kit guns um, from companies like Polymer 80. And it, and it was the first event of its kind. It was uh, put together by Guns for Everyone National, a, a national nonprofit, that wanted to put together a unique competition series and the Are We Cool Yet group, the Aussie group who support uh, 3D printers in the firearms community and are, are just great in terms of design, support, education. Uh, and, and those two organizations came together and I've got a little experience running matches. So I, I organized the actual event on the ground and uh, it was a great experience. Well, you know, and, and it is cool that, uh, you know, I know you wrote about this at Ammo Land, uh, the, the fact that when uh, when Vice uh, was coming out there, you know, you got some criticism of that. Like, why are you letting these anti-gun people in? So what was the decision making process of, all right, do we want to allow this this platform that is traditionally and I find I'll be honest with you, uh, Rob, I find it really weird that Vice News, I mean, look, they're pro-drugs. You can tune into a Vice TV and you can watch, you know, some dude taking well, I, Ayahuasca, I think is how you pronounce it, in Peru and, you know, tripping his face off. 
Uh, but they're 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 kind of down on legal gun ownership. So was this a a controversial decision within the organizers uh, to allow Vice to not only be there to film but actually to to take part to have one of the reporters compete in this event? It definitely was something that we discussed. I think at the end of the day, everybody was aligned. Some people uh, were more nervous than others. Um, other people were sort of, you know, take it for what it is. It's not like um, we want to hide. You know, one of the big reasons the gun makers match came to fruition was because the, the guys from the 3D printing community, and I've only, I'm new to this, right? I got into the 3D printing community uh, late last year and I started getting really in with the Aussie guys and, and they were really helping me, coaching me, sort of, you know, helping me figure out the, how to set the machines up and all that. And one of the things they would complain about is there just aren't a lot of ranges for them to go shoot at. And there aren't a lot of, of organized activities. And in fact, part of sort of the mystique of some of the gun making community is the anonymity, is that, you know, showing up on a YouTube video with a balaclava and guns and proving your gun works and sort of that, you know, playing into the ghost gun motif. And unfortunately, you know, I, I believe that some of that has hurt us as a gun community. It's, it's kind of hurt the image of gun makers as maybe people who are up to, you know, uh, nefarious things and, and maybe supporting criminal activities, and things like that. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. So it was really important for the gun makers match to be, you know, real names, no masks, families together, you know, people from different cultures, people from all over the country attended. We had over 25 states represented at the gun makers match and letting in media from outside of the gun community was really important to me. Um, I've had some good experiences with Vice. I'm like you. I'm a little confused. It's, it's like a choose your freedom thing. If, if, if I can learn about ayahuasca and heroin, why can't I you know, learn about gun making and, and other libertarian freedom loving activities, right? Um, it's a little bit of anachronistic, um, but it's sort of like the ACLU, right? Like they're really into right. civil liberties, except maybe not firearms all the time. So there's a conflict. I'll be honest. I've, I've, you know, taken a lot of conservatives to task because conservatives aren't the most liberal freedom loving people when it comes to things like drugs or maybe certain sexual activities and things like that. So I don't think anybody in our country has a monopoly on freedom. Um, but I do think that what we need to do from a gun rights advocacy standpoint is reach out uh, outside. I mean, obviously, Cam, you and I have been, been doing media stuff together for, for a long time. It's probably over a decade. I love being on your show. I love talking to gun owners. I love talking to, to people that believe like I do. But it's incredibly important from an advocacy standpoint that we get out of this, the, the safe space, so to speak, and we do talk to people who don't agree with us. Oh, absolutely. And particularly, I think, over the last year and a half or two years, we've also seen um, it's, I won't even call it a pro-gun argument, but I will call it an anti-gun control argument from the left. Um, and it's not, you know, listen, we've got a right to keep and bear arms and these rights are being infringed. It's more of, hey, when we're policing and enforcing these gun control laws, wow, we're putting a lot of people in prison and a lot of them are young black men in prison for nonviolent possessory offenses. Uh, is that really what we should be doing? You know, I, I noticed uh, the prosecutor in Ingham County, Michigan, for example, had just announced that she's going to be scaling back the number of prosecutions on felony gun charges uh, where the, you know, not we're not talking like armed robbery. We're just talking about simple possession charges because in Michigan that comes with a two-year mandatory minimum prison sentence. Do we really want to be putting people in prison simply for carrying a gun without a license? Or do we want to maybe try to encourage them to get a concealed carry license? So I think that that there is some common ground to be found when we break out of our bubbles. Uh, and it's not that you're necessarily going to find a Second Amendment activist, but you might very well find somebody who says, yeah, you know what, you, you're onto something when you talk about how these gun laws are enforced. And is there a, a better way 
uh, to actually reduce violent crime than by targeting people who, for, for simply possessing firearms. It's a huge issue, and it really very much echoes a lot of the concerns about the war on drugs, right? Uh, uh, but something that we now look across the country, and it's obvious that the majority of Americans think that marijuana should be deregulated. Right now in the in the gun community, you know, I'm here in Colorado, right? I, I, I at least lived part-time in Colorado since 2003. Uh, I have to make a choice, right? I could legally indulge in recreational drugs here. I could I could use marijuana if I wanted to. But then I wouldn't be able to own firearms. So I have to choose my freedom in, in the state of Colorado. And until the federal registry changes, um, that's a big deal. And, and I think as we look around the country, a lot of people are questioning that. Even people like me who are, who are vehemently, vehemently anti-drug, you know, back when my policing days, you know, it's been over 20 years since I left full-time law enforcement. But, you know, I had no idea, you know, really uh, how, res how responsible drug use even worked. It was not something I could understand in my mind. But when I think back to my policing days, I dealt with a lot more problems because of alcohol than I did because of marijuana. And I think what, what law enforcement and what lawmakers may be even starting to realize is law-abiding responsible gun owners, most importantly, responsible gun ownership is not a problem. And that's, I think, what comes out in this Vice documentary. And that's one of the things that, that gets put out in front of people in a very different way when it comes to celebrating the freedom hobby of private gun making. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when you're talking about responsible gun owners, responsible gun owners can buy their guns. They can build their guns. They can own AR-15s. They can own handguns. I would argue that they could even own fully automatic uh, firearms and be responsible gun owners. But the the gun control lobby... They don't want to talk about responsible gun owners, right? They want to talk about guns themselves. And let's ban these because they're big, black, and scary. And let's ban these because they're too small and concealable. And let's ban these because, well, you can make them at home. Uh, and so it's all about prohibiting that item, whereas what you're talking about, and I think even what this Vice documentary showed, inadvertently or not, um, is that, again, the gun is the inanimate object. And you have to talk about the people uh, that are holding that gun and the people that that came out for this gun makers match in St. Augustine, Florida, you know, look, I mean, it's a pretty I won't say it's necessarily a cross section of the United States, but it's a, a pretty good example of the the breadth and depth of gun ownership in this country, even in what I would what I think you have to consider would be a niche portion of, of the gun owners in this country, those who who are embracing the idea of, of building their own, whether it's through a kit or whether it's through a 3D printer. It really is. And, and you're right. It, it, when you look at that, a lot of people have commented on the Vice video. Oh, it looks like a bunch of middle aged white guys. Well, you know, we had all races were represented there. I mean, you know, Edgar uh, actually have Edgar is the patron saint of, of the Second Amendment. Um, Edgar Antion. Uh, he is he is the founder of Guns for Everyone and Guns for Everyone National. Uh, you know, he's very proudly he talks about his Mexican heritage. He was there as one of the guys running the event. Um, you know, we, we had African-Americans there. We had Asians there. So, yeah, we're most of the guys white. Sure. Is that relevant to the conversation? I don't think so. Um, the, the lifestyles were very different. Again, people from the Midwest, people from the West Coast, people from uh, New York, people from New Jersey, people from Virginia, people from Florida. A lot of different people were there participating uh, with a lot of, I think, thought diversity. That's what I always care about, right? What's the thought diversity? I mean, there, Tusk was there. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Tusk, the, the uh, crypto coin, the cryptocurrency that's really interested in helping 
uh, firearms, the firearms community, the firearms industry find an alternative way to do commerce when we don't have to rely on banks, we don't have to rely on, on credit card processors that might go anti-gun and, and be against freedom. You know, Tusk was there with a team that had uh, an incredible amount of racial diversity just within their team alone. So so it's easy to characterize it as, oh, a bunch of bored white guys, you know, playing with, with their guns. But that's, it's really so much more. And, and gun making obviously has a rich tradition. Gun design Customization of guns is something that's that's incredibly prevalent um, with with the AR-15s, with the Glock style firearms, and and the 3D printing. You know, to be able to take uh, a roll of plastic and and you know come out a day later with a with a customized gun that has contours and grip angles that you want. Um, you know, I put my logo on everything in CAD. Um, it's just it's fun. It's uh, it's the next level of gun customization and, and actually creating your own gun. And it's it's legal in almost every state to do it. Um, the gun kit builds are easy to build. And we we had rifles, pistols. There was a, a couple guys using shotguns and a couple people with braced pistols or uh, pistol caliber carbines there. There were also some guys with SOTs who had uh, fully legal uh, short barreled rifles and or fully automatic stuff at the gun makers match. So it, it really was a, a gun owner diversity. Absolutely. Now, listen, I will say this. I mean, you talk about this being legal in most every state, and it is for now. But as you well know, the Biden administration is taking aim at uh, unfinished frames and receivers. They're taking uh, aim at unserialized firearms. Uh, they, they, you know, and this is a big, uh, a, a big item on the gun control lobby's to do list. I mean, they really want to go after home built firearms, whether they're built from a kit or from a 3D printer. How concerned are you that the Biden administration with this uh, new ATF proposed rule, public comment just closed, that within, you know, the next uh, uh, six to nine months that the Biden administration is is officially going to try to implement this policy uh, and squarely take aim at this community that you're talking about? I'm very concerned about it. I, I think this is one of the reasons why this fall or sorry, this winter, we had so much support for the gunmakers match. I mean, you know, Brownells was involved. Obviously, Guns for Everyone National was involved. Polymer 80 was involved. A Firearms Policy Coalition is a big backer of this. They actually just uh, backed our first regional event that we've had, a gunmakers match handgun event here in Denver, where the day before we had a private gunmaking educational seminar um, at Triple J Armory here in Denver, one of the, the newest ranges, great retail space. We talked to, to dozens of people about 3D printing. I had my 3D printer. In fact, that's why it's not here on my work table. It's still over at the range. We had it running. I printed a gun through the day while people were there. We put together a bunch of Polymer 80 kits. Um, you know, the, the idea that we're under attack and this is one of the, the sort of uh, big ticket items on the Biden agenda is very, very real. You know, the commenting opportunity just closed. I, I kind of wish this Vice documentary had dropped a month ago and gotten more people excited about it because it's been great. You know, you're, usually we, we joke about avoiding the comment section. The comment section on this Vice doc has been amazing. So many people saying, I didn't realize this was legal. I didn't know that I could do it so easily. I didn't know it was so inexpensive. I want to do this now. And these are gun owners. This isn't just necessarily changing the minds of people outside of the gun community, which again is important. And I think that's happening as well, as you can see in the comments. It really is about more gun owners realizing this is fun because I've had a lot of gun owners, you know, friends of mine, people in the industry come up and say, Hey, what are you doing with all this 3D printing? Like, you know, that, uh, some of that's a little bit edgy. Some of that's a little bit, you know, questionable. And it's like, no, it, it shouldn't be. This is something that should not be in the shadows. I mean, I put together my, you know, I was building like many of us in the 1990s. You know, I was building 1911s from script frames. It, it, it was registered. It had a serial number, but I was building guns with files and fitting parts and customization and, and now evolved to the 3D printing era where I can get in and design a gun in CAD or change a gun 
Um, one of the things I'm working on here is a like a little PDW style thing for a uh, SIG P320 top end and a SIG 320 fire control unit. And that's a serialized part. So this isn't just about avoiding serial numbers. It's not just about avoiding, you know, government registration. It really is about the creativity and the freedom of gun ownership, gun design, gun customization, and private gun making hits on all those things. All right. So um, I want folks to check out the Vice Doc, but uh, I also want to ask you, are, are there more gunmaker matches coming up? You just talked about the regional there in uh, Colorado, but are there going to be other events around the country? Yeah. So the second annual main event is going to be back in St. Augustine on March 19th, 2022. People can go to gunmakersmatch.com and they can find out about that. We also have a couple other regional events that are in the works right now, one in the Midwest and one in the Mid-Atlantic. And we're hoping that this catches on, you know, Guns for Everyone National as a nonprofit, you know, they do a lot of training. They do a lot of instruction. Guns for Everyone based here in Denver has put over 60,000 people through concealed carry courses, most of them for free. Um, They do incredible work and they wanted to take that next step as a national organization into also running sanctioned competitions. And this gun maker, the gun making idea, giving gun makers a place to meet, to congregate, to celebrate their art, to enjoy their guns, to do a little show and tell. Um, we really do hope that this this takes off. And, you know, will it be as big as, as USPSA or, or IDPA? Maybe, maybe not, right? May never get that big, but could it be as big as, uh, you know, precision rifle stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Could it be as big as, as, as some of the other little niche events that go on around the country? Sure. Bianchi Cup. You know, how many people really do Bianchi Cup type shooting anymore? Um, and yet it's, it's a staple of the firearms community. I think the gun makers match is headed in that direction. Uh, I'm wondering if you could uh, maybe like, is there, is there room for like a, a, a SAS style event, maybe some sort of like cyberpunk you know, uh, role play, coast play, sort of a gun maker match. You've been talking to Michael Bain. Uh, (laughs) Michael Bain came out and did an episode of Triggered on the gun makers match. Um, Stephen Gutowski wrote up a great article on the reload. People can find a lot of media if they go to gunmakersmatch.com. But that is that is right up Michael's alley. And, and, you know, of course, a lot of the younger guys that are into it, you see more things that are like more, you know, Call of Duty ish, I guess, when they custom design these guns. But, you know, there's no reason not to, to, to push well down into that steampunk era. And I think Michael Bain might need to be our our uh, our lead on that because he, that's his style. There you go. All right. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, let me know about that Mid-Atlantic regional gunmakers match because, you know, that is right in my neighborhood. I will certainly drive up for or down or east or west, wherever I need to go to uh, to take part in that. But uh, in the meantime, gunmakers match. Uh, Rob Pincus from Ice Training. Thank you, sir, for joining us on the program. It's good to talk with you today. Great to see you, man. Thank you. Appreciate Rob joining us on the program. I'm serious, by the way, about uh, going out to that Mid-Atlantic regional, although I, I will need some help because I, I don't have a 3D printer. Uh, basically, for like the past five years, all spare uh, change has gone towards paying doctor's bills for a Missy's fight with cancer. And that's cool. I'm all right with that. But uh, you know what? We've got such a good community that I'm sure if I were able to uh, come up with maybe the cost for the raw materials, uh, somebody in the 3D printing community would be able to help me out here in terms of uh, printing out a design so that I could participate uh, in that match. And uh, in my coverage, I guarantee will be at least as fair as uh, what you saw from Vice News. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a story out of St. Louis, Missouri. I'm just going to give you the headline. Jefferson County man on probation in crossbow attack, now charged with using machete and assault. Yeah, well, I guess you won't hear the gun control activists talk about this because crossbow, machete, 
And they don't care how violent a crime is as long as a gun is not involved. Uh, 31-year-old Ted Treese charged in at-large warrants this week with first-degree assault and armed criminal action after he uh, is accused of attacking a man with a machete while being on probation for a uh, crossbow attack in 2018. Uh, Police said that Treese, still on the loose as of Thursday morning, nearly two days after he was accused of hitting a man with a machete inside of a gas station convenience store in House Springs, Missouri, Officers are searching for him throughout the day and overnight on Wednesday, although uh, they apparently kind of scaled back the uh, manhunt that they had been conducting uh, as of Tuesday afternoon. Authorities said the tree swung a machete inside the store, hurting a customer, then ended up sideswiping a school bus with his car as he escaped on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, according to online court records, Teresa was convicted in Jefferson County, Missouri, in a previous assault after he fired in a crossbow at an acquaintance that he accused of damaging his car back on July 19th, 2018. Authorities said he injured the man's hand with a crossbow, and then, uh-oh, now's where the gun control activists get involved, and then Trees fired an AR-15 at the man's feet. The case also involved alleged threats to police in a search that stretched to central Missouri. He pleaded guilty the next year and was sentenced to three years in prison. But the judge in this case said, you know what, I'm going to put you on probation instead. We're going to suspend that prison sentence. And if you stay out of trouble, then you don't have to worry about going back behind bars. Well, so much for that. A probation violation filed with the court back on uh, July 26th. Therese is also facing a pending charge in Jefferson County for domestic assault. Uh, Back in May, the arrest warrant said that Therese is a persistent offender with four felony convictions, including unlawful use of a weapon in St. Louis City, assault and resisting arrest in Columbia, Missouri, Here's the thing. So I'm not sure when that first felony conviction was. But if that first felony conviction happened before July 19th of 2018, I'm I'm very curious why Mr. Treese was never charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm during that uh, crossbow uh, assault back in the uh, summer three years ago. Uh, anyway, it looks like uh, despite having avoided prison, Mr. Treese may soon be uh, heading behind bars. That is, if they can find him. Uh, as of last report, again, he is still uh, on the loose and law enforcement is still looking for him. Uh, let's turn our attention now to today's armed citizen story from South Carolina. Man shot during a burglary at a Mount Pleasant apartment complex. Now, this was on Tuesday morning, officers with the uh, Mount Pleasant Police Department responded to the Central Square at Watermark Apartments just before 10 a.m. in response to a burglary where a man had been shot. Now, I mean, this is burglars can happen any time of day. I will say it it is somewhat uncommon uh, to see a mid-morning burglary like that. Uh, when officers arrived, they found an individual outside of the apartment complex. Officials say the uh, police officer applied pressure to the wound until EMS arrived. The subject was transported to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Police say that the shooting was a, quote, isolated incident. Say that there appears to be no further threat to the community. Uh, no word on the current condition of the suspect. But uh, again, at this point, this appears to be a, a case of armed self-defense, at least based on the preliminary investigation. We'll keep our eyes open for any more details as they become available and bring them to you in a, a future episode of Bearing Arms, Scam and Company. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Livermore, California, where an off-duty officer 
in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to help save the life of a choking baby who was caught on tape. KRON in uh, San Francisco reporting on the incident. The officer in question, uh, Gilbert Troche, he's a officer with San Pablo Police Department. He said he was on his way home from a movie theater with his family when they came across a woman on the side of the road. He said she appeared to be crying hysterically. She was holding her baby kind of against her shoulder. And he said, I stopped the car, I jumped out, I went over to her. He said the woman handed the baby uh, to him. He noticed that the baby's cheeks were getting blue. So he did some back thrust. Well, he instructed the mom to do a finger sweep to try to clear the airway. Yelled out to his family, call 911. After two to three minutes, the baby coughed and threw up uh, and then began to cry, which is exactly the sound you want to hear when you've got an infant that has been unable to take a breath. And Gilbert Trush says, I don't feel like a hero. Okay. But understand, a lot of people would consider you to be one. He said, I think anybody in that situation that had seen her there as distraught as she was would probably have tried to do the same thing. Maybe. Maybe. But, you know, he was the one who stopped. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't know how many other cars drove by, but I'm guessing uh, that there were a few. Drivers who maybe did not know what was going on. Maybe they didn't see the one. Maybe they thought, okay, this is like a panhandler. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they had no idea. But the important thing is that Gilbert Troche stopped. So we can talk about what others would have done, but let's not ignore what he actually did. And by the way, Gilbert Troche says he now wants to get in touch with this lady. He didn't get her contact information or anything like that. But he says he wants to follow up to see how she's doing. So hopefully they are able to uh, reconnect. But again, in the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. San Pablo, California, police officer Gilbert Trost, we thank you for your very good deed. And I thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we will be back on Monday with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. In fact, we are going to be talking with one of my colleagues at Bearing Arms, John Petrolino, who has a uh, big story out of California and we're going to get into some of the nitty-gritty details of the disturbing, and that's another way to put it, just the disturbing requirements that a California police chief has put in place for those applying for a carry permit. And it's a perfect example of why California's may-issue laws need to go away and why a shall-issue system, at the very least, needs to be put in place. I'm obviously a bigger fan of constitutional carry, but I'm also well aware this is California we're talking about. So we'll get to that on Monday's edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Throughout the weekend, though, be sure to check out BearingArms.com for the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. You can also become a VIP subscriber. All you have to do, go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. You can use the promo code GUNS, get 25% off of your VIP membership and in exchange... Not only will we be supporting uh, the website and programs like this, but we're going to give you exclusive stories, commentary, and more as a way of saying thank you, because we really do appreciate your support. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free. Be free.